Well, welcome to Jacob in the Bath with, and this week I'm in the bath with Maddie, my friend. Uh, Maddie and I have known each other now for how many years? Eight years? Mm-hmm. A long time. A long time. 2013, 2012? 2011. 2011. 2011. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And uh, today's topic is, because I am aware of the fact that I need to keep this podcast censored, so that it is available to all age cohorts, you know, we like to be inclusive. Um, We're going to change a certain word that sounds like duck to duck. So today's podcast is language (laughs) duck-ups. Very good. If that makes sense. Would you say that they are duck-ups, Maddie? Um, My experiences with language, Mm, Yeah. I think... The vast majority of it has been. I think it's the best way to to learn. Yeah. To make a duck up. A duck up, yeah. Other situations. And also, a duck is very relevant to a bath because we also take, you know, yeah. ducks in the bath. I mean, I never have, but I'm, I'm I aware have. that people do. But I got a Chewbacca style one. You got a Chewbacca style duck. Yeah, its eyes glow and everything. It's quite intimidating. Don't quite like having it in the water. <laughs> <laughs> quite off putting somehow. It can be, not relaxing somehow. No, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer candles. So, yeah, this is our podcast Jacob in the Bath with Language Duck Ups. Uh, also, there is a slight. Uh, Noise in the background, isn't there? And a fly in the ointment. A fly in the ointment, indeed. If you can hear it, apologies, but it is just a slight dripping because we are christening Maddie's new bath, aren't we? This is a christening. It is, yeah. It's, it happens to be faulty. It's a sad thing. Mm. It's a sad thing. But this is, Maddie's not been in this specific bath yet because she's only just moved into this new apartment. So. Yes. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm glad to have this first experience. I mean, what a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. It can't get much better. No, it can't. I think the bath is happy around it as well, positively glowing with the excitement of the podcast. Yeah, as, as are we, as are we. <laughs> so, um, Maddie, why, why don't you fill us in? Have you got any... Fill us in. On... Well, give give us an example of a language duck up that oh, you've you've had, you know. Um, one that I've had, which has been particularly interesting, I suppose, um, was getting the word for cobwebs wrong. Cobwebs. Cobwebs, which you would think would be all right. Um, Actually, can I just apply a bit of context here? Yeah. Maddie is an Italian. Are you? Is translators not the right word? Is it? Uh, no, it is. That's technically my job. Oh, yeah. right. Italian translator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Yes, I'm Italian translator. I've been learning Italian since I was eleven or so, mm. and I'm now twenty-four. So it's a quite a long, a long stretch. Yes. Yeah. Um, so are the majority of these uh, surrounding the Italian language, or are they all? Yeah, well, I've learned French as well. Um, and lived in France. Yes, so of course. This 
uh, yeah, I do have one from France. It's a funny one actually. I was I was sat at the dinner table with a French farmer's family because uh, I was I was woofing and staying at their house. Yeah. And uh, we'd had a big meal, and uh, I said, "Oh, that was very nice. I'm full." In French, which you say, well, you can say, you just be plain, right? But fortunately, I was missing the cultural context wherein if you say, I am full in French, it means I'm pregnant. <laughs> so, oh, no. so the family's family all looked at me like, big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that dinner. I am, in fact, pregnant <laughs> <Yeah>. as well. <laughs> More or less. And then, uh, yeah, I think they, I kept patting my tummy and I mean, really, if you kept patting your stomach, you could have just been reiterating the fact that you were pregnant. I could, yeah. <laughs> it could have been a complete language breakdown, yeah. communication, but... The next day, they buy you a congratulations card. Yeah. For being fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luckily, that didn't happen. I don't know. But I've never forgotten it. It was, it was embarrassing. Yeah. I to explain... That you weren't pregnant. That said... Um, and also another Italian mix-up that I that I did was uh, the word for cobwebs. Ah, oh, cobwebs, yes. Yeah, cobwebs is um, uh, ragnatele. 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 Ragno is spider. Ragno. Uh, and um, tela is like a sheet. Okay. So I guess a sheet, a spider sheet. Yeah. Um, but I unfortunately put too much emphasis on the L, made it a double L with my accent, and I ended up saying something like um, spiders tiny telly, <laughs> <laughs> which made everybody laugh because uh, I said ragnatelle. <laughs> all the Italians around me had this lovely image of a spider organising its tiny in the corner. <laughs> so. Yeah, things like that. But examples. The best examples I have are ones that I've made uh, myself. My, I know a lot of Italians living in Britain, mm. and um, a lot of them have trouble with their minimal pairs, they're called in English. Mm. So they're basically words where uh, one syllable changes ever so slightly and it, it changes the whole meaning of the word. Okay. Um, for example, um, once this Italian friend was uh, talking to um, my parents actually, and they were asking him about you know Italian eating habit habits and and the like, and they said, oh, how do you think uh, Italians are different in the way that they in the way that they eat? And uh, he said, oh well, I think we're different because uh, in Italy we don't eat so many snakes. <laughs> <laughs> what word was he? He was meaning snacks. Oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> but he'd got the Snakes. minimal pair uh, mixed up mm, in that way. I like that one. Another good one is uh, ordering a stick in a restaurant. Oh uh, yeah. I said the snake steak. Oh a stick, yeah. <laughs> May I have a stick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if you find the sticks, please. Yeah. Medium rare. <laughs> you can imagine the waiter looking at you very confused. Well, not you, but one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like those, and they stick in my memory more. I think when it's in your language, you you get the humour of it yeah, more than obviously. Yeah, if it were something you've done wrong, um, 
But yeah, yeah. I can't emphasise enough, like I've never forgotten the word for cobwebs now. No, of course. Actually, it's a very good way of making you remember a certain word, I feel. Precisely. Yeah, I think, I think it's the best way. Honestly, do. I mean, making mistakes in general is good, but if it's a humorous mistake, yeah. it's lovely. Um, yeah, actually, when I, when I met my fiancé, you know the other day, yes. um, we met backstage at an Italian play, and uh, I was valiantly trying to talk Italian as much as I could. And uh, he asked me, oh, come stai, how are you doing? Uh, and I thought, oh, well, I'm nervous because I'm about to go on stage. So I'll say, you know, I've got butterflies in my stomach, I'm nervous. So I said, in Italian, non le farfalle allo stomaco. And uh, then we went bright red. <laughs> uh, and I thought, oh, what's happened here? <laughs> and uh, he politely explained that when you say you have butterflies in your stomach in Italian, it means only that you are in love. Oh, wow. Yeah. What so, an introduction to your now fiancé. No, <laughs> yeah, that was four, four years ago now. I have butterflies oh, in my stomach. We will be together forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not manic. How are you? I am in love with you. <laughs> I don't know you very well. In fact, I don't know you at all, but I do know that we will remain together. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very telling. Uh, yeah, incredibly telling, because here we are, sat in your flat. Mm-hmm. How many years later? Four? four over four. Yeah, yeah. four years. How I don't to just by. interrupt you to yes. move the money spider from your jeans. Uh, look. That's lucky, isn't it? Where, which shoulder will you throw that over? What? Do you throw it over the shoulder? That's salt, you can't throw a spider <laughs> over your I thought you threw a spider <laughs> over your shoulder for good luck. Ooh, well, you, you throw salt over your left shoulder, because that's where the devil sits. Oh. But money spiders must not be thrown cheap. I thought you were a freak. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've now got an additional guest in the room. Yeah. On his behalf, I shall speak, you know. Welcome to the room. Should we call him Incy Wincy? Yeah. Because he's about to fall down the water spout, potentially, anyway. Yeah. That water spout being the bath spout. Mm. So there's now three of us in the bath. Now, I'll have a little break. When you're in the bath, Maddie, I don't, how, how often do you have baths? I go through phases. Sometimes okay. I'm intensely dedicated to bathing. Yeah. Bathing. And by intensely dedicated, does that mean once a day? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, in my, at the height of my mania. Can <laughs> 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 get to once a day. Um, but I realise it's not good for the planet, which is why I usually uh, come to my senses and uh, stop all this bathing. <laughs> Nonsense. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nonsense, I know we're bath fans. Oh, we're huge bath fans. Yeah. Um, and when you're in the bath, mm. what's a go-to item that you have? Something that's an essential, you know? An essential item. Mm. I think bubble bath. I think there's something incredibly troubling about seeing your own body underwater when you've not got any clothes on. <laughs> To be honest, I understand entirely yeah. what you mean. There's all the yeah. problems of the refraction of light and it yeah. makes your body look all sorts of shapes that you didn't think it could look. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the bubble, bubble, bubble bath, just get a bit of... Also, it's fun to Well, yeah, sculpt. absolutely. You know, sculpt around your hair. Yeah. You can make yourself appear to have granny hair. Fantastic. You can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moustaches, all the rest. The whole shebang. <laughs> 
but it bubble bubble bath, preferably in those bottles that look like sailors and pirates. Oh yeah, which you may know from. I used to have those actually when I was younger. Yeah, yeah they were great. I still buy them as presents for people. Where I just don't want them to go out of. Uh, where can you get them from? Uh, any good Wilco, you, any, oh, okay. any Wilco worthy of its salt, <laughs> <laughs> worthy of its bubble bath, worthy of its bubble bath, will have uh, sailor style bubble bath bottles. Nice. Well, I think that's an essential, isn't it? Really, yeah. definitely essential go-to item. So, hit us with another intriguing language fact: mm. language duck-up. Of language duck-ups, I'm not sure if I have many more to recount. Um, but there are plenty of fun, yes. fun facts. Like hit us with the fun facts. A fun fact. Um, well. Uh, <coughs> You know how we call um, what you have on your neck, no tie, uh, an Adam's apple? Ah, yes. Mm. Well, that's actually from um, a mistranslation from uh, the Hebrew of the, the Bible, the Old Testament, where they talked about Adam and Eve. Oh, yeah. Um, and they, well, essentially, whoever, whoever it was St. Jerome who translated from the Hebrew into Latin. Yeah. He um yeah, essentially said it was an apple um that Eve bit into and gave to Adam. But uh in truth it should have been an apricot more accurately. Oh really? Yeah. So it's hard it's hard to tell what kind of like what the ramifications of that could have been, but mm. for hundreds of years, <laughs> people have been under the impression that you know yeah. the Bible said it's hugely symbolic as an apple, it isn't is, it? Yeah, yeah and in history of art as well, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, I read about this in um, a guy called Mark Politotti's book. It's called Sympathy for the Traitor. Um, mm. It's a bit of a play on words because translators are often called. There's an Italian proverb mm-hmm. that says traditore, traditore, translator, traitor. No way. Yeah, yeah, because you can never Trust. properly render um, an idea in another language ah. and it be totally faithful. Um, See, that in itself is fascinating, I think. Yeah, you know, no, it is. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting profession. And so it was this writer who came up with this theory about the Adam's apple, was it? Um, I'm not sure if it was a theory, I think it's, it's come to light yes. um, in modern times that this was a, a mistranslation that, I think he says it could have been any manner of fruit really, but most probably an apricot, but it's interesting to me that, you know, I, as a translator, I beat myself up a lot about flaws and when you translate making mistakes and stuff because you want to provide the best the most faithful um version in yes. your language of what you've read yeah um but saint jerome <laughs> made one quite significant um if not a few uh mess what's the word uh, mistakes yeah in his translation so it just teaches you doesn't it we're only human I love that. I love the um, translation being traitor. That's fascinating. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So, when you're in the bath, what would, say, your go-to drink be? 
Quite nice. Which is quite nice. It is, um, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they're actually so sweet that you forget that they're alcoholic. Yeah, problematic. Yeah. But I think anything cold, essentially, um, because I do get overheated in the bath. And one of those people doesn't really know how to draw a bath. I just put it on hot and yes. then wait until it cools down enough not to hurt me. That's very much me too. Mm. Yeah. In fact, most times when I get in the bath, it's a lengthy process of one foot slightly in. Mm. Actually, my face represents visual pain <laughs> as I kind of lower my foot into the scalding water. <laughs> um, and then the whole body follows, really. So it actually takes me approximately five minutes, perhaps ten, to mm. actually submerge myself in the water. Mm. Are you the same? Yes. Um, although, usually, when I put my foot in, I convince myself in the first few goes that it's just me being a bit mad and I should just get in and not waste water. So I, I do try foolishly to throw myself in. And come, um, come out with the three burns. Yeah, I have to get out immediately with yelps. <laughs> can be quite painful. Maybe maybe that's the most recent um, reason for me stopping having baths. Could well be. Could well be. Yeah. Could well be. I've just blocked it out of my memory for now. (laughs) (laughs) Until today. (laughs) So do you have any more uh, interesting facts about language? Yeah, I do. I have always been fascinated by Canadian French. As a uh, yes. yeah. I've never been, I need to go, I would love to experience what it's like, but one of the key differences, I suppose, between standard French on, on the European continent and Canadian French is their swearing, uh, um, which is actually based on uh, Catholic terms. There was, at the beginning of the 19th century, there was a lot of ill feeling towards the amount of power that the Catholic Church had. in uh, in Quebec and so with time their influence became less and less and weakened and in the meantime people started using religious terms as uh, swear words so they're actually stronger than your typical what you would imagine as your French swear words which are you know very strong in uh, French Canada it's very they're quite mild compared to words like uh, tabernacle and uh, what's tabernacle? Uh, it's a part of the church isn't it? Is a, it? A tabernacle I believe um, but any any word really they're called sacramental I think oh yeah so like literally sacraments yeah um, which I think is very interesting amazing how that can be yeah <laughs> you know Religious to I know that in English we'll use you know terms like uh, taking the Lord's name in vain let's say yeah um, but not to this extent where your whole swearing vocabulary is based on this one part of you know uh, so like we're talking about nouns here as well like yeah I think nouns uh, yeah like so any religious object. Um, not any, but potentially yeah, a religious subject. Many, many of them are. Yeah, I'm not so hot on my church vocabulary. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, 
It's interesting. Yeah. It's worth following up. So if you ever find yourself in French Canada. I just shout crucifix and I'm already <laughs> express <laughs> my You could get some funny looks. <laughs> Arrested for yeah. blasphemy. But again, I mean, that's that would be so uh, easy to do. So mm. easy to, uh, you know, throw in a little... No, you could you could use one of those terms out of context, let's just say. Yeah. And someone could be shocked by it yeah, of they, course. in their culture. Yeah. It's meant to express rage, you know. Oh, I like that. That's interesting. Mm, good. Um also when you're in the bath, mm. what's a go-to book that you would take to read? And I can I just say Maddie is a very avid reader. Ooh. So I'm looking forward to to see what it's going to say here. Yeah. Um, well, this has been difficult for me <laughs> for a few reasons. First of all, I can't read in the bath, Jacob, I'm afraid. It's going to have to be a post-bath read or oh, pre-bath okay. read. Just because I am rather precious about the... The, the pages. The pages and the mm. keeping my books in the, the condition they were given to me in. So I don't like the idea of cream. I always think if water does that, if hot water does that to your hands, it's going to do to a book. And you see it, it will, it, it will shrivel. Shriveled up. Yeah. I don't like it. It feels like you're torturing them. It does. It does. Um, but I, mean, I think Maddie and I would agree that we both value books. They're very precious. Yeah. Yeah. More I mean, so than ourselves. We're happy to just shrivel in the bath ourselves, but God forbid if we take a book with us. Yeah, not even in the room, I think. It needs to be <laughs> needs to be in an, in an airtight safe. Only to be touched with white gloves. Yes. Um no, but the the book that I would read, um, post bath, let's say, mm-hmm. um, would be would have to be Jeanette Winterson, um, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit. Um, uh, now you've advised me to read this, haven't you? I have. I would advise everybody to read it. I think it's it's incredibly pertinent um, on many levels. For me, it was interesting because it's set in the north of England for a start, um, not in this era, in not in this decade, but um, even even so, that shines through in the writing, the way that people are. In the book, characters, the way they talk, it is totally reminiscent of all the people I've known growing up. Mm. Um, but most importantly, it's the story of a young girl who uh, is gay, is lesbian, and she essentially is made to come out by her mother's church because they discover that she um, has an involvement with another another girl. Mm. Um, well, I won't say any more than that. I hope that hasn't spoiled it for anybody. Um, but it is just so it's heart wrenching in, in part, but a very special book to read. I think it's um, important to remember how how difficult life has and still is has been and still is for mm. for the LGBTQ community yeah. in Britain. Despite the progress made, I think a lot of people suffer greatly. And that's something we I like to remind myself that we need to work on it as yeah. much as possible. I love that. Yeah. Really like that. Really good book. Really funny as well in part. Oh, really? Which you wouldn't expect. Um, but yeah, really, really well written. Great choice. 
I need to add, well, it was already on my reading list, but yeah. it, it will need to kind of rise on up. Maddie once lent me, Maddie's lent me a lot of books, actually. <laughs> I'm a chronic book thief in the sense that I um, take books off people, but never actually finish them. But one book I did endeavour to finish that Maddie lent me was John Steinbeck's East of Eden. How long did it take you? Can uh, you tell me? I can't remember, can you? Are we talking about two years here? Oh, it was years. It, it, was, was, it years. was years. Because it was every, a lengthy process. Every time I saw you, I would ask you which bit you got to, <laughs> and your progress was uh, minimal. It was minimal. In fact, I dreaded that question. <laughs> You should yeah. have just read it to get me off your back. And I think, well, I think I did. One summer I was like, I need to read this because Maddie is, she's, just she's on at me. She's just But it was a great book in the end. Yeah, beautiful book. Upon reflection, I now see how fantastic it, it, it was. It is. Mm. Um, at the time, perhaps I found the ending somewhat anticlimactic, but now I understand why it is such a prolific book, really. Mm. But yeah. But to be read in a shorter space of time, let's yes. just have a footnote here. Because um, <laughs> I think the, the, you have to do a lot of work with that book and really dedicate time at the beginning mm. in particular because it is slow progress. But that, that slow momentum um, for me was actually really important in the way that the whole book carries on. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. But interesting how our experiences were so different <laughs> of the story. I have to say I'm like that with most books though. How, however gripping they are, I can read, read the first half and then happily pick it up five years later. Oh yeah. Uh, it's oh, just yeah. a case of... I had the same experience with Dave the Triffids. Oh yes. I got it as a school prize when I was 13. And I finished it when I was 21, so... Fantastic, yeah. seven year, eight year process. Yeah. process. And one of those ones where I would read part of it and then forget about it and then yeah. not remember it, so start again, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible mistake. But good book. Again, why does it happen to the best You see, books? and I have to say, they're the Triffids is just on my bedside table. Is it? Um, I say table, it's not table, it's floor. Bedside floor. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to language. Back to language. Have you got any other interesting things? Any tidbits? Mm. Mm, let's see. Well, I, I actually read today that a quarter, only a quarter of British people can hold a conversation in a foreign language compared to, I think it was 90%. Check that. Yeah, 90%. Of Dutch people, Swedish yeah. people, the Luxembourgers. I have to say though, sorry, I just spat at you. I have to say, I'm surprised it's a quarter. To be able to hold a language, that seems a lot to me. Mm. Uh, but then perhaps a lot of these people who are included in this are naturally bilingual, brought up bilingual because of different ethnicities or for whatever reason. Possibly because of family reasons and whatnot. Yeah. You would hope, though, that at least some of those people <laughs> are, uh, you know, people who have learned a language just out of, you know, their own volition. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the government certainly isn't helping that. I don't know if you've heard that GCSEs are no longer GCSEs in language, are no longer compulsory. I didn't know that, no. No, I only found that recently. It shocked me. So, 
children today who don't want to do even, you know, even one, yeah. don't have to. Which is I find quite troubling, I must say, especially with the prospect of leaving the EU and being isolated as a political, you know, structure. Yeah. I think we need more and more people who can speak foreign languages yeah. rather than the opposite. Yeah. And the Dutch are just fantastic. I'll never forget meeting the Dutch uh, woman in Venice. Mm. And I asked how many languages she spoke, and she said six. Wow. But um, potentially seven. <laughs> really? Potentially seven, but the seventh she doesn't speak very well at all. Mm. What was um, that, English? It was English. <laughs> no! It was. And I, I tell you something, she even used a colloquial term. And I thought to myself, and yet, this is your worst language. Uh-huh. Um, it really puts uh, English people to shame, I think. Mm, you know? Yeah, I think we, 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 there is a tendency to be lazy if you're an Anglophone, you know, the mm. world is set up um, for speaking in English. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, just because English is our first language, we're necessarily, necessarily going to benefit from that. Um, I read someone's perspective earlier who was saying that actually people who speak English as a second language are preferred by employers because they have, having learned the language from scratch and understanding what the difficulties are with English, which is a very difficult language, Mm. um, they're able to communicate more concisely, um, more directly. Yeah, makes um, sense. And yeah, make themselves understood. Whereas British people, American people, any Anglophones, perhaps we use structures that, unbeknownst to us, that was one. Unbeknownst to us, are are very tricky to follow. Uh, And that makes us less desirable in a business, in an international business environment. Because mm. at the end of the day, it's about making yourself understood. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we need to be careful as uh, English speakers, native English speakers, not to rest on our laurels and feel that that means that we are automatically privileged. We are because we can understand everybody. Yeah. But, you know, most of the world speak it as a second language. Mm. Um, and that's to be kept in mind. Yeah. When you're in the bath and you are sitting there in your bubbles, your book is at the side, ready to be read afterwards, mm-hmm. and you've got, and you've got a nice cold drink. <laughs> what song do you play? What would you play in the bath? Yeah. So, my bath mood uh, is quite a jolly one. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm a jolly bather. Okay, yeah. a jolly bather. A bather. It's bather, isn't it? Bather, jolly bather. Jolly bather, yeah. Um, so, for that reason, I think I like, I like my upbeat music. Mm. Um, there's an Italian song, part in Italian, part in Milanese dialect, mm. um, which I found through watching Breaking Bad. I don't know if you've seen the series no. or Breaking Bad, no. I um, mean, speaking of baths, it was the uh, burning of a body in a bath of acid that put me off watching the rest of Breaking Bad. Oh, right. Ironically, oh. here I am sat in a bath. Oh. So let's hope that that's not the same 
the most for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that was gruesome. Um, anyway, then at one point in the Breaking Bad series, um, there's a character called Gail, who is an eccentric gentleman, and uh, in one particular scene, very important scene, he listens to this song, and that's mm-hmm. how I came across it. Um, this was at the beginning of my university career and doing Italian, um, and I just loved the song. It was, it was, it's so upbeat, it's phenomenal. From the ni- 1945, oh. and it's like a Andrew's Sisters quartet situation. Um, so, some lovely harmonies, and just very upbeat. It's called Crapa Bellada. Um, Say that again. Crapa. Pelada, uh, which I think in, it must be in Milanese, Milanese there, like that. Um, it means peeled head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's the, this very sad story of a man who loses his hair uh, um. and uh, suffers derision from his brothers as a result. Um, great to look at the lyrics, honestly. Look up, look up the translations of the lyrics in English, it's really, really great. Okay. But, I enjoyed, yeah, I, I still enjoy singing along to it, even though I, I don't know Milanese dialect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just the sounds of fab, as with most Italian things. Well, I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah, hopefully the listeners will too. Yeah, no, I... I there will there'll be a search on this YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. A search from like thousands and thousands of podcast followers. Mm. Hopefully, won't they? Um, <laughs> so, have you got any more interesting facts about language? <sighs> facts about language. Um, when I, I do my language learning, when I push myself to learn, you know, new words in French or speak in French or any other language, I, and I find it hard. One of the things that motivate me is thinking about my um, A-level French teacher, or one of them, oh, um, yes. at our school. Um, Fantastic lady. Yeah, very nice lady. If she's listening in, hello. <laughs> Bonjour. Um, Bonjour, And she said to all of us quite frequently, um, if, you need, if you want to be free in life, do two things. Learn language and learn to drive. Really? Uh, yeah. I love that. No, it was a an eye opening. I thought it was a really good way of looking at it. And do you feel free? Uh, yes, I do. I think having learned Italian in particular to the level I have, um, it's broadened the essentially the amount of people <laughs> that I can communicate with on. Uh, yeah, on their level, you might say, which I think is just incredibly special. I feel very honoured that I've been able to reach this point. Uh, I thank Pass Maddie mm-hmm. for putting in the effort because I, I think that it's, it can't really be replaced talking to people in their mm-hmm. own language, both from the perspective of the effort you put in people appreciate it, especially Italians. If anybody's listening and thinking about learning Italian, I will go for it because they're a highly welcoming kind of uh, people. Yeah. And even if you try just a little bit, 
uh, you reap the rewards. They, yeah. they really do. Uh, I suppose essentially she's saying uh, that you'll find freedom because it gives you the ability to escape to another country, yeah. start a new life. You can drive, you can get in your car, and you can communicate in a yeah. different language. Yeah, very absolutely. freeing. Yeah, very freeing, and also I think incredibly useful. Yeah. I always think about linguists in World War Two and how crucial their role was to, you know, helping other people, helping governments. Um, it's really astonishing and to think that many of those people wouldn't have foreseen that that would ever come in use. You know, imagine like the Dutch lady that you met, she would be in an ideal position to help others in pretty much any situation, but especially, uh, heaven forbid, if there were any such an occurrence as uh, the World War again, it's really, I think, amazing. You could, you know, go undercover. You could yeah. become a new person of a different nationality. Um, a bit like in uh, Inglourious Bastards. Do you remember that? Mm. Uh, Grant and Tarantino film. It's a scene where the, a British man um, infiltrates a Nazi, um, I think it's a soiree, isn't it? Yeah. Um, speaking German. Really good film. Um, yeah. Speaking of films, okay. what would your go-to film in the bath be? The last of the go-tos. Yeah. Do you ever take? Do you ever actually take a film into the bath? Um. Hmm. I've taken one into the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's always quite far away. Mm. I will say. Yeah. Don't um, put any laptops in the bath. No, it's not good for that hard way. Uh, yes, I have in the past. Um, I think one film that I would like to watch in the bath in the coming weeks, months, um, would be Io, it's called in Italian, Io speriamo che me la cavo. Um, Again? Io speriamo che me la cavo. Um, which literally would be something like, here's hoping I get through it. Okay. Um, and it's essentially an Italian Mr. Chips, Goodbye Mr. Chips. Oh, I love Goodbye Mr. Chips. Yeah. Um, cracking film. It's from 92. Yeah. Uh, so you've obviously got a bit of time, time capsule there. Yeah. Similar, similar to Goodbye Mr. Chips, then, I suppose. Yeah, except the premise is slightly different, that a teacher from the north goes to an elementary school in Naples, which is close to my heart as well, because that's where I... That's the region where I stayed in Campania. Mm. Um, and attempts to uh, teach disadvantaged kids who aren't really going to school yeah. uh, and get them interested in learning. Um, it's such a such a good film. Really good. Difficult to follow because <laughs> yeah. it's mostly in dialect. So if you're not oh, of course. if you're not following closely it can be um, tricky. But one of those feel, feel good yeah films that you just think, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. And I think as a teacher as well, teaching English, it um, gives you fortitude to think, yes, you know, this is, I'm doing a good thing here. Yeah. Great. Good choice. Thank you. <laughs> well, I think we'll pull the plug on that. <laughs> <laughs> do you like what I did there? I do. I have to say that was a recommendation. Thank you, Stuart if you're listening. 
Um, and I will be ending every podcast with that now. <laughs> so I don't want it to be predictable, but it's predictable. Um, but no, thank you, Maddy, for joining me in the bath. I, w- I, I wouldn't have wished to have had episode two with anyone else because, you know, I've known Maddy for so long. Eight years, I think, when you came to the conclusion, was it? Mm. Eight years, yeah. And um, such a knowledgeable individual, particularly surrounding language, and I hope that the listener enjoys listening to this podcast just as much as I have. So, thank you, Maddie. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed sitting in the bath. I have, yeah. Yeah, I feel very clean. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just to let you know, there is no water in the bath. No, no, I meant it figuratively. Figuratively. I've confessed. Yes. Confessed my language sense. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I hope you've enjoyed episode two of Jacob in the Bath with language duck-ups. Not all duck-ups, though. And um, I look forward to you listening to episode three of Jacob in the Bath with. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.